Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Dr. Nicole Birkins, a licensed clinical psychologist and board-certified nutritionist, specializing in evaluation and treatment of children with serious developmental and emotional health conditions. Today, we're going to look at one fairly major area, and that is screen time, digital devices, videos, TV, all those things, and discuss the effect and impacts these have on our young kids. Dr. Nicole Birkins, good morning. It is so great to have you join us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I am just so thrilled, really, because our conversation about our kids and their development and how we can do the best that we can for them, because, of course, that is our goal, isn't it? To raise our kids to be the healthiest, uh, most well-rounded individuals they can be. Absolutely. And, you know, children don't come with instruction manuals. So as parents, we can use all the help we can get with that, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know, if that could uh, somehow be created, uh, an instruction manual, but that doesn't work because individual simply dictates that each one is different. Absolutely. I have four kids myself right now. They're ages 13 to 20. And uh, it's amazing even being raised in the same home, how different they can be. So yes, parenting is absolutely an amazing uh, series of joys and also challenges for sure. And and yet, that being said, there are some similar, some basics that uh, we can count on that are going to be fundamentally good in terms of raising kids. I mean, there again, there there are no guarantees that come with this package, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I think you know for sure there are certain things that we know are really important for children. You know, routines, good, solid, loving caring relationships, good communication, you know, all of those things are great. I think one of the biggest challenges that parents face right now in this day and age with raising kids is how to help them develop in a world of 24-7 connectedness to technology and the internet, right? And, you know, talking about instruction manuals, this is something that Um, You know, as a parent, I can't look to my parents to say, well, how did they do this? Because these things weren't around um, when we were growing up, right? And so it's one of the biggest things, you know, in my work with parents and with families that they're coming in saying, help me understand how to manage this, how to help this be a healthy thing for my kids, um, because it is one of the new challenges that we're facing as parents, and that is the thing. It is so new. So it, you, every day it keeps evolving and changing. And yet, um, I guess it's been around long enough that there is some observation. And we can't say it's all bad. Neither are we going to say it's all really great. So you're looking to find uh, this happy medium or a, a middle road to go on. Absolutely, because the reality is that technology does amazing things for us and in our lives, and it's here to stay, right? We're not going backwards in time um, where technology isn't going to be an integral part of our lives and of our kids' lives. So really, our goal 
as parents needs to be instilling safe and healthy habits for kids around technology use so that they can grow up to be adults that can manage their use of devices and screen time in a healthy way, in a way that brings the good parts into their life without the potentially negative parts. And and you're right, we do have quite a bit of research now showing us some of the dangers and just some of the things that we need to be concerned about as parents. And one of the things about technology and thinking that we need to, you know, expose kids to it at a young age because it's going to be their reality, the truth of it is that it's not something that can't be learned, you know, at some age further in from uh, infancy. But with your experience, with your research and the work that you do as a psychologist, Dr. Birkins, don't you find that uh, there is a certain age, like those first few years, kids shouldn't be exposed to much uh, of the screen time? That's exactly right. And that's what um, the American Academy of Pediatrics and other Uh, groups dedicated to child development and child safety really have been saying for a while that while minimal exposure to technology, to devices can be appropriate at young ages, depending on what they're doing. For example, you know, an infant or a toddler using FaceTime with a parent to be able to talk to a grandparent. That's a great use of technology for a young kid to be able to access those family relationships. Um, But where the dangers and the problems come in are when we have young children spending significant amounts of time in front of screens, whether that's watching television, um, doing things on a tablet, um, on a smartphone, on a computer, those kinds of things. Um, We know from the research that those are not supportive of development at young ages. And so really, children under the age of 18 months, the recommendation is, that they not have any time in front of those devices unless it's with a parent or a caregiver. So maybe it's watching a little um, program with them, or like I said, using FaceTime to connect with a family member. When we start talking about kids in the two to four, five-year-old kind of range, even here, we're looking at really minimizing their use, not more than an hour a day, and looking at high-quality programs for them. And, And really how I talk about that with parents is, what are they doing on the devices? How engaged are they? Are they just passively consuming content? Are they doing some meaningful things? Are the programs that they're watching developmentally appropriate Um, Those are the kinds of things that we want to be thinking about because absolutely the risks of overuse of screen time um, for kids that age are are pretty significant. Everything from reduced cognitive and communication development to increased behavior problems, risk of ADHD, those kinds of things. So um, it's not something that we want to take lightly. We really want to think about how we can support development with these things. Um, But that really means minimizing the role of devices in the lives of kids, um, particularly uh, in the under five age group. So this is 
really fundamental, something we need to really embrace because we find, you know, I'm going to go back some decades because Sesame Street was such a, a, a great experience and uh, kids learn so much. But would you say that it, that's different from the screen time, say, with cell phones or tablets these days? Yeah, that's a great point. I was actually talking with a colleague about that just yesterday, how, you know, many of us who are parenting now, we grew up on programs like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and those kinds of things. And that kind of content is very different from much of what's out there for kids to consume now. For one thing, that content is slower paced. You know, when we were watching Sesame Street or some of those kinds of programs, and and there are studies that back this up, the pace of those programs was slower. So kids had time to take things in. They went deeper into um, content and, and topic areas and things like that. Whereas today, what the research is showing us is that a lot of the content that is on the television or online that is geared towards young children is extremely fast paced. So it's them consuming you know, passively consuming a lot of really fast-paced images and sounds and things jumping around all the time and grabbing their attention over here and then over there and not going deep into into topics and content. And so it really has shifted. And, And that's really to the detriment of kids' brain development because while they might be entertained in the moment, jumping around to one thing after another, that doesn't support good, healthy brain development. So there definitely is a difference between what used to be on TV, the kinds of things that we consumed growing up and and primarily what's out there now. It's such a great distinction that we might not really consider until you slow down ourselves Mm -hmm. and and look at it and and really... uh, take that apart. That's really critical. So it makes me think about how um, sometimes these days it's it's easy. A parent might have a, a fussy child. They just hand them their cell phone and the child gets so engaged in that. Whereas maybe in the past, in the early days of cell phones, before cell phones, we'd carry around a tote bag with some toys or books or something to entertain the child. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're seeing even in, you know, a setting like my clinic and and other people who are working with children has become a significant problem for some kids and families with devices as if they're really being used as a way to manage the behavior or to constantly keep a child happy. Um, And that can be a real problem. And, And that dovetails with the research that shows that The more device time kids have, particularly young kids, the more at risk they are for a wide range of social and emotional um, and relationship-based problems. And part of it is when we're constantly appeasing kids with devices, they're not learning how to handle any amount of challenge or discomfort. If every time they feel a little bit bored or they're whining or, you know, whatever it might be going on, the the parent response or the adult response is to put a device in front of them. 
that can be um, problematic for the development of things like resilience, of learning how to look around and take in and, and learn from the world around you. Now, I'll be the first one to say that sometimes we get in situations with kids where it's great to have these things, you know, long car rides where you're, you know, maybe picking up a, an older child from an appointment that's gone long and, and you've got a, a toddler with you and you need something to keep them busy. I'm not saying it's never appropriate to use devices in that way, but what I want parents to really look at is on the whole, how often are they using a device to keep a child busy, um, to manage their behavior, to soothe them? If that, if you, if you step back and look and say, wow, that's really how I'm managing that a pretty significant amount of the time, then that gives some pause to say, hmm, how do I want to pull back on that? How can I find better balance here? Because it really is about finding balance. Right. And it makes me think about then if we don't have that balance and we keep going to the digital devices as the uh, backup plan, that's where that oh, really touchy term addiction comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting. There have been several things written about this now um, in terms of addiction related to device use and, and even some recent things related to young children. I think the overall principle that applies that people can relate to, not just um, around tech, but around lots of things, is that what we model as parents tends to be what our children follow in terms of their own behavior. Um, You know, we can tell kids things, right? But what they see us doing is a much more powerful um, example for them. And so one of the terms that has come about recently is uh, the term secondhand, um, you know, uh, screen addiction or secondhand, uh, you know, exposure to these kinds of devices, secondhand screen time. And what that's really a playoff of is the idea of secondhand smoking, where we know that children who grow up in homes where one or, or more adults are smokers, regardless of what the children are told about smoking, they're more likely to become smokers. And we're seeing that with screen behavior as well, that young children who grow up in homes where adults are maybe struggling to find balance with their own device use. Um, And let's face it, a lot of us as adults struggle with that, right? It's not just a problem with kids. Um, Where they see parents constantly on devices where a lot of the child's experience of interacting um, with their parents and other adults in their life is with devices present. They learn then that, oh, this is a normal part of how people interact. This is normal part of life and they tend to be children and then you know growing into older kids and adults who um, overuse technology and develop this addictive component to it which is all another reason you know circling back to what you said about really young kids earlier it's all another reason for us to be really aware even with really young children of the model that we're providing you know maybe you don't put your infant in front of lots of screens, but if their experience is that mommy or daddy's always on the phone or always doing this or that on devices constantly throughout the day, especially when they're spending time with the child, that becomes normal, and then kids will um, grow into patterns of uh, overuse of devices and potentially addiction themselves. So it seems then as such a simple thing, and it really is, 
But if we have gotten into this habit of having that device to always be checking for or doing something on, uh, we really need to realize what it is that we're doing and modeling. Absolutely. And so critical for parents to step back and say, let me look at my own device habits here, because it's so easy to lose awareness of that, right? Um, You just think, oh, yeah, I'm just checking here, just checking there. And it's really interesting when I have parents at the clinic use, um, you know, monitoring features and things um, on their devices just to, to look at and become more aware of what their own screen use habits are. By and large, they're shocked. They're like, wow, I had no idea I picked up my smartphone that many times during the day. I had no idea that you know, that's the amount of time that I'm spending. So stepping back and developing that awareness and particularly being aware of device use um, when the kids are around. You know, are you a parent who uh, puts your devices down or has them in the other room when you're doing something like playing a game with your kids? Or is your attention constantly split between, you know, email and texting and the activity that you're doing with your child? Um, Really becoming aware of that. And then there's some really simple steps um, that I encourage parents to take as a starting point with that. And one of them is when you're engaged with your child in something, whether it's, you know, giving them a bath in the evening or playing a game with them or going for a walk or whatever it may be, put the devices away and focus on spending that time with the child. Device-free mealtimes are another really simple step um, that families can take to help with this. You know, parents just say when we're eating together, nobody's got devices at the table. um, And that promotes good uh, engagement um, with each other and really sets this model that we don't need to have Um, these devices with us all the time and that actually we can spend time together. This is a good, healthy thing to do. So those those are a few just simple ways that parents can start to model more of that balance and, and even find more of that balance for themselves. And it's so critical with us in terms of our kids and modeling for them. But I also think just in general terms, I I think of uh, being around my elderly mother and how I'd just have the phone at the side and and it felt eventually disrespectful because she said, well, what are you doing? Why are, mm-hmm. why are you looking at that? And, uh, you know, it really was kind of a, a wake-up call. Like, don't be spending so much time with that. Engage with the person just as you are at the family table, engaging with each other. Absolutely, and that's becoming a lost art. Um, I I work with a lot of teens and young adults at the clinic um, who really struggle with uh, even the basics of social engagement get really anxious about having face-to-face conversations, and a lot of that stems back to they have grown up in this environment where it's these, you know, quick little uh, texts, and, you know, nothing's face-to-face, and so uh, they, they struggle with that. They struggle with being in the moment with another person, uh, whether it's a grandparent or a peer. Uh, they're constantly um, preoccupied with thinking about, you know, what might be going on on their Snapchat or in their text or things like that. So there's a lot of, of risks of kids growing up in um, this, this culture where, Everything happens instantaneously. They don't ever pause to think about things before responding. They don't have um, these in-person kinds of engagements, or if they do, they're checking their device at the same time. And we know that kids, particularly teens, 
who engage in excessive use of devices, excessive use of social media in particular, are more at risk for a wide range of mental health issues, anxiety, depression, suicidality, all of these kinds of things. The research is showing the risk of these types of problems increases the more time kids, particularly teens, young adults, are spending on these devices. So it's important for us to be aware of and for parents to say, what steps can I take? What, do, what role do I need to be playing in helping my children grow up with a better relationship with these devices so that we minimize the risk of these problems as much as possible? Yes, so critical. It's so easy to not really give it enough thought because we're just so immersed in it like a fish in water. We have all this technology around us. So this conversation, I feel, is so critically important, Dr. Perkins, that you're discussing this with us this morning to really wake us up so that we consider this and make some conscious plans about it. Absolutely. The conscious planning is so important. A lot of times, again, because as parents, uh, most of us, especially if we have older children now, didn't grow up with all of this in our own lives. So there's a lot of parents who are really unaware of what their children are being exposed to online. Many parents... um, you know, that, that I work with, uh, their child has apps on their devices that they, the parents never even looked at. They don't even know what kind of communication is going on there. So I like what you said about really being conscious about this and saying there are wonderful things about technology. And there are things that we need to not stick our head in the sand about and be aware of. And that's really where um, one of the, the primary roles of parents in this process is looking at what limits need to be set for kids depending on their age and their developmental level around things like amount of time spent on devices, the content that they're being exposed to, how they're using these devices. These are things that parents actually um, need to be conscientious about making decisions Uh, For each of their kids, again, that's going to look different for a four-year-old than a 14-year-old, and then implementing strategies to to help with that, to set and enforce those limits, Um, obviously with the goal that by the time kids reach um, young adulthood, by the time they're moving off on their own, that they're able to take those healthy habits, those safe habits that have been instilled in them, um, you know, and go off and and find balance and and good health with their devices as an adult. But it really does require parents seeing that one of their important roles is as a guide to children all the way along the way with how to use technology in safe and appropriate ways. So those limits on times and content are really important. And we need to think about, too, uh, I think that's really an interesting term, is uh, secondary screen time. When we have uh, a movie playing or the news might be on and we think the kids are just playing with their toys, realizing the impact that has. Yeah, absolutely. That modeling and that secondhand exposure and realizing that even if the child's not engaged directly with it, they're so aware even even babies so aware of what's going on around them, and they pick up on that uh, what what's modeled for them in terms of adult behavior. So just so so important that modeling piece for sure. 
Now, lots of uh, more information. You have uh, written a book, which I think is always a great resource. Okay, there isn't a, 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 a manual that comes along with this child, but still, your research and insights, certainly, you know, we can gain a lot of information from your book, Life Will Get Better. Yes, absolutely, where I talk about screen time and lots of other things related to raising uh, healthy, well-balanced children in, in a sometimes challenging world. And you have a website as well, which I think is, again, filled with so much information because you have a clinic, you have a staff that is always writing and researching. So again, uh, you know, we can find something that is relevant to an issue maybe we're dealing with right now, and and we can find that as a really great tool. Absolutely. The website is drberkins.com. Tons of great resources, um, videos, blog posts, all of those kinds of things, and specific to the the electronics uh, and device use piece of things. I have several things on my website. Also, I've done some uh, writing and have some great articles and resources on um, a website called custodio.com. Custodio is a wonderful uh, program that allows parents to manage content, time, device use for kids with greater ease. Um, I really support what they're doing, and I've written several things and done um, many videos and things for them as well. So that's another website that can be a great resource for families. And one of the things that I really appreciate in terms of your credentials, Dr. Birkins, is that uh, you are an integrative health professional. So that, to me, speaks volumes of, you know, really looking at that holistic approach as as opposed to, oh, we're just looking at this piece of it. That's not the way that we're built. That's not the way we are. So uh, I really appreciate who you are and how you approach this work. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think that we're all whole human beings, right? And unfortunately, particularly in the realm of health, things tend to get separated out. But in order to have good mental health uh, for children or adults, we need to pay attention to the entire person, their brain, their body, uh, overall health. So you're right. I integrate all kinds of pieces of nutrition and movement along with the screen time and the the counseling approaches and all of those good tools that support children and really support parents in doing what I feel is the most important job that that we have, which is raising um, our children to reach their best potential. So I pull together lots of different um, fields, lots of different resources to help parents with that process. Yes. So while this infant arrived in the world without some kind of manual to guide us. I think really the work that you're doing, the resources that you have for us, Dr. Nicole Birkins, uh, are such a, a wealth of information and really great tools that we can find what we need or at least be guided towards uh, what may help us in doing this important work that we've been uh, really gifted with is raising this child. Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Well, it's been wonderful to have this conversation, you know, really uh, opening up our eyes if we haven't had them opened. Uh, if we have, then giving us the, some tools and some insights and encouragement as to uh, how we might move better down this path. Thank you so much for having me on to talk about these things. It's been wonderful to spend the time with you.
Thank you. This is Mandy Ringenberg with a Sunday morning shout out. This week's shout out goes to Washington Outdoor Women. Washington Outdoor Women is an education program by women for women. Their mission is to teach traditional outdoor skills to women and girls, and by doing so, prepare and encourage them to become good stewards of our natural resources. By developing a deep and satisfying connection with nature, understanding outdoor ethics, and growing personal confidence, women and girls become stewards of and advocates for our natural resources, ensuring that wildlife and wild places in Washington State will be here for future generations to enjoy. WOW, for short, holds numerous workshops for beginners and experienced members in specific activities, including one-day and weekend-long workshops. You can become skilled in many wilderness activities, including archery, freshwater and fly fishing, backpacking, waterfowling, shotgun, map and compass, survival skills, Dutch oven cooking, outdoor photography, and much more. Want to get the kids involved? There are workshops perfect for that, too. The pre-wow workshops offer girls ages 8 to 13 years of age the opportunity to pique their interest in the outdoors, build their potential, and learn valuable skills along with an adult wilderness mentor. Women will connect with the younger generation and help guide them toward a deeper appreciation of wildlife and wilderness know-how. Skills offered at the workshops will include archery, camping, gear fixing, horseback riding, fire and shelter building, and more. Check out what kind of workshop you want to get involved in and sign up today. Donate or register online at WashingtonOutdoorWomen.org. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Dr. Nicole Birkins and Sunday Morning Magazine with J.T. Williams and David McIntosh from Seattle Urban Academy. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warham1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warham 1069 webpage. Click on the podcast tab and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of great awareness and commitment to helping all youth succeed in school for life. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.